John chapter 8. Last week we were in John chapter 8. This week we're going to finish John chapter 8. So I've called today's message the war between truth and lies. Wars have been fought over many things. Land, food, love, religion, hate. I don't know if you guys realize this though, but there is a war being fought for your heart and your mind and your soul every single day. Every day you are in the middle of a battle. You've got on one side God who loves you and is full of truth and light. And on the other side, you've got Satan and his weapons are hate and lies. Turn to John chapter 8 and we're going to go over again some stuff that we went through last week and look at it a little deeper. Um, We are going to see a Bible story where this battle between truth and lies, light and darkness plays out. And it happens so quickly and in a way that's so normal that it would be easy for you to completely miss it because it's just a normal conversation between Jesus and some just random people on the street. But in this conversation, we see the battle between truth and lies played out in a way that's relevant to our lives. So um, we tried to show a video last week and it didn't work. We're going to try it again this week. And I think, because I I prayed, and I, I think it'll work. And if not, it'll be fine. So here we go. Get ready. This video, um, I say this every week, but basically this video, what it is, is it's the gospel of John word for word. So if you turn to your Bible and you open up John chapter 8, verse 31, that's where we're going to start. You can read along and the things that Jesus says in the Bible are going to be, it's going to be him in, in real life, actor form, saying it to us on the screen. So totally biblical. This isn't some kind of extra weird thing. This is from the Bible. So let's see if it works. If you obey my teaching, you are really my disciples. <laughs> you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We are the descendants of Abraham, and we have never been anybody's slaves. What do you mean then by saying you will be free? I'm telling you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave does not belong to a family permanently, but a son belongs there forever. If the son sets you free, then you will be really free. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are trying to kill me because you will not accept my teaching. I talk about what my father has shown me, but you do what your father has told you. My father is Abraham. If you really were Abraham's children, you would do the same things that he did. All I have ever done is to tell you the truth I heard from God, yet you are trying to kill me. Abraham did nothing like this. You were doing what your father did. God himself is the only father we have, and we are his true children. If God really were your father, you would love me, because I came from God, and now I'm here. I did not come on my own authority, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to listen to my message. You are the children of your father, the devil! And you want to follow your father's desires! From the very beginning, he was a murderer and has never been on the side of truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he is only doing what is natural to him because he is a liar and the father of all lies! But I tell the truth and that is why you do not believe me. Which one of you can prove that I am guilty of sin? If I tell the truth, then why do you not believe me? He who comes from God listens to God's words. You, however, are not from God. 
and that is why you will not listen. Lord, we love you. God, I thank you so much that in this day and age, it is easier than ever to study your word. We have so many resources. We have these videos. We have the Bible. We have commentaries, God. And and God, you've given us such a gift to be able to hear your words. I pray we wouldn't be like the Jews that Jesus accused of not listening to him, but that we would open up our ears right now to what you want to say because you are here, Jesus. Your spirit is in this room and you want to speak to us. What a privilege. I ask God that you'd open up our hearts, our minds, and our ears to whatever you have for us today. In your name, amen. Okay, pretty intense. It was really interesting. Uh, I taught junior high uh, last service, and most of the junior high kids were at camp, so we just kind of sat in like a little circle, and it was me and like six other kids. And I showed the video, and I asked the junior hires, I was like, you know, what are some of your thoughts after watching this video? Like, how does it make you feel? And one of the junior high boys spoke up, and he was like, I just feel like I can't see Jesus really getting that angry. Like, the way he was in that video, like, he seemed so mad. Like, he seemed like he was just so angry, and that doesn't seem like the Jesus that I know. And it's so true because we see Jesus often as, like, this hippie, you know, like, hey, you know, peace and love, and we're all going to go to heaven. And we don't really see him as, like, this revolutionary. But if you look at the Bible, I mean, think about it. Like a guy who just goes around saying, peace and love, peace and love. Is that a guy who people try to stone? Is that a guy who people, well, maybe like stone him. Anyway, is it, but is that a guy that people are trying to throw rocks at? Is that a guy that people are trying to crucify and capture and execute? Like, no, see, I believe, honestly, this video, I believe that's an accurate representation. Because think about it. Like, for a doctor, I use this illustration all the time, but if you're a doctor and your patient comes in and they have cancer, are you just going to be like, eh, you know, it's fine, man. You just need love. Like, no. Like, you're going to be like, I am a doctor and I'm going to get the cancer out of you. Jesus is sometimes rough and Jesus is sometimes intense, not because he hates us, but because he hates sin and he hates to see what he does. And so... I believe that Jesus is here in this room, and maybe for you here today, like, it's going to be kind of rough, but no, he is the doctor, and he wants to get through to you to remove that sin. So we see Jesus, God, desperately trying to reach people that he loves, and he's telling truths so people can hear the truth about how to get to God, how to have a relationship with the people in the crowd. In John chapter 8, they don't want to hear it because they're busy believing lies. Last week, we went over some of those lies. Lies like the faith of their parents could save them. That's, that's one that we believe often as church kids. Another is that their goodness can save them. Again, a lie that we believe. See, the conclusion to last week was only by putting our faith completely in Jesus can we be saved. And for the Jews, for them, they lost sight of Jesus. And I think a big part of it was they had lost sight of their enemy. Now, our first point is don't lose sight of the enemy. Anyone play first-person shooting games? Anybody? Yeah, any girls play first-person shooting? We've got Michaela. Anybody else? Yeah, awesome. What happens when you lose sight of the enemy? You get killed, right? When, and I'm so bad, like I just started downloading like some free uh, PS3 like network uh, first-person shooter games because I'm too cheap to like buy them because I'm like, I already know I'm going to be bad at this, so I'll just get a free one. So I've been playing these against like people online and just, oh my gosh, they must be watching me like, this guy's an idiot. Like I'm just standing there with my gun like this and I don't see the enemy coming up behind me and shooting me to death. When we lose sight of the enemy, we we get it. We get killed. Uh, has anyone ever left a candle burning in the house? Anybody? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. Like, for me in Brooklyn, I remember one time we went on a date, and we left a candle burning. We were like, oh my gosh, like, I'm so glad we didn't forget, because you guys have been to our house. Like, what's it mostly made of? 
Wood, yeah, our house is like covered, like wood ceilings, wood floors, wood, like it's just wood everywhere. And so if you leave a candle burning, like it'll destroy you. It's just a small little flame, but so often it can completely destroy you. And I think it's, it's weird to say in church, guys, but I think we need to not treat the devil like that candle that we leave in the back of our mind. We need to realize, like we need to believe in the devil. <laughs> it's kind of weird to say at church, like we're supposed to believe in Jesus. We need to believe in the devil. Not like, you can do it, Satan. I believe in you, but more so, like, we need to believe that he's real and that he's powerful. Um, you know, Keith Green, one of my favorite artists, he writes this song, uh, and it's from the perspective of Satan. And so he says, my job keeps getting easier as time keeps slipping away. I can imitate the brightest light and make your night look just like day. I put some truth in every lie to tickle itching ears. You know I'm drawing people just like flies because they like what they hear. I'm gaining power by the hour and they're falling by the score. You know it's getting very simple now since no one believes in me anymore. Guys, we need to believe that the enemy is real. We can't just be comfortable Christians where we think of sin as this minor issue, kind of like how people treat their dogs. Have you guys ever seen anyone like make excuses for their dogs acting crazy? Like you go to your friend's house and the dog jumps up and it's like, ah! and it's like trying to bite you. And you're, you're like, oh my gosh, this dog's a savage. And your friend is just like, he's all right. He's fine. You guys know what I'm talking about? Anyone ever experienced that? Like, it's so funny with dogs. It's like, like I literally, um, my parents have this dog named Reddington, named after the guy from the blacklist. Kind of weird. It's like this serial killer dog. Um, so he, he, I will come to my parents' house, and this dog just like runs up, starts biking, and like literally, like my hand can be in the air. He like jump, latch onto my hand, and just like hang there. For some reason, he loves eating my hand. He'll just devour it, and it just the whole time, just, like eating my hand, and it's it's disturbing, but it's like. It's kind of like, what can you do? So I just let him. Like, I just sit there. It doesn't hurt that bad. So I just sit there and let, them, let him gnaw on my hand, you know? That's how we treat sin sometimes. It's just like, it's just this little savage sin, but we think, uh, it'll outgrow it. It's just a phase. Like, I, I'm in high school now. Like, this is just a little sin. Everyone goes through a little sin in high school. One day I'll be a really good Christian, and then I won't sin this way anymore. And we tend to push sin to the back of our mind and think it's not that serious. I mean, if a dog did that, we'd make excuses, but if your human friend, if you're, if you're hanging out at home fellowship and your human friend runs out of the room and starts going, I want to kill you, and like runs towards your other friends and starts biting them, you wouldn't be like, he's all right. You'd be like, dude, you need help. Like, I'm admitting you to a mental hospital. We need to treat sin like the real deal. Sin is a big deal. We forget there's an enemy behind the sin that's trying to destroy us. In John 8, 44, uh, if you guys look in your Bibles, what does Jesus call Satan? He was a what? from the start. Father of lies, but Jesus says he was a blank, a murderer. Okay, so in the beginning, before God created the world, so in the other beginning that never began, because it's crazy, time, Jesus exists out of time, it's, it's, just, it's crazy. Your mind will blow up if you try to think about it. But in, in the beginning, beginning, when God is in heaven with the angels, what was Satan? He was a angel, right. So from the beginning, Jesus says he was a murderer from the beginning. What, who did he kill? Who did he kill? Did he kill anybody? No. So why does Jesus say he was a murderer? Well, then you go back to the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and you've got Adam and Eve in the garden. God told Adam and Eve, if you disobey me, you will surely die. So this is really interesting that Jesus says he's a murderer from the beginning because if you go back to the beginning, when Satan comes and he convinces Adam and Eve to sin and eat the fruit, this simple little sin, what happened? They, they died. 
And so Satan murdered the relationship between God and man. So that's what Jesus means. I think it's, it's just Jesus is brilliant the way he, he reasons this together. He says he was a murderer from the start. And listen, the devil is a murderer. When I look at people who are just addicted to drugs, the devil has murdered their chances of a good life. When I look at failed relationships, the devil has gone in and murdered that marriage, murdered that dating relationship, broken up that engagement. I see so many times broken relationships, broken friendships. See, the devil, he's a murderer of hope. He's the murderer of life. He's the destroyer of love. And Jesus says there's no truth in him. And we can't just think of the devil as this funny little guy with like red horns and a pitchfork. Listen, the devil is real. If you want evidence, look at the abortion statistics. More than 3,000 children a day in America are sacrificed on the, the altar of convenience. So much death the devil is causing. Missionaries to Thailand, they, they went over and they were trying to reach people for the gospel. And what happened was um, the wife got pregnant while they were over there. And so they're praying for this child to be born, these missionaries. Well, what happened was a group of Satanists came and, and they posted up outside their house. They formed a circle. They joined hands and the Satanists were praying that the baby would either die in the womb or be born deformed so that it would convince the missionaries to go back home and stop talking about Jesus. Guys, the devil is real. And his weapons so often are lies and distractions. You see, it's hard to tune in on the message, or the message of heaven if our lives are full of earthly static. Guys, Jesus desperately wants to communicate with you. You need to know that today. He desperately wants to communicate with you. When I drive on the freeway, how many of you guys are drivers now? Any, any drivers in the room? How many of you guys are scared of the freeway? Anybody? Anybody? I was terrified. If you don't want to admit it. Okay, he's, he's still scared. So the freeway was, I'm fine with it now, but you know what really gets me about the freeway now is when you're driving on it, you'll be listening to the radio and you'll always hit that one area where like the radio cuts out and it's just static. Anybody know what I mean? Like it stinks. It's like the best part of the song and then and it's, it's terrible. Listen, the enemy is quite like that because so often when we're heading towards the direction God wants us to go, the minute God starts really speaking to us, really getting through, the enemy brings in the distraction of doubt, discouragement, depression, and distraction. He brings temptation that keeps us from hearing the message of God loud and clear. And I want to ask you today, is the noise of the world louder than the voice of Jesus in your life? Is the voice of the enemy louder than the voice of Jesus in your life? Because that static causes us to misunderstand what Jesus is saying. Just like this mom who just didn't try hard enough to understand. She texts her daughter and says, what does IDK, LY, and TTYL mean? And the daughter responds, truthfully, I don't know, love you, talk to you later. And so the mom says, okay, I'll just ask your sister. No, mom, like that's, that's what IDK, LY, and TTYL means. I don't know, love you, talk to you later. There, it was a misunderstanding. How, how many of you guys ever feel like you misunderstand what Jesus is trying to tell you? Anybody? Anybody? I, I do. I'll admit it. So many times I just don't get what Jesus is trying to say. And that's what a lot of Jesus' followers went through back then. Jesus says, love your enemies. And they say, uh, that doesn't make sense, but uh, thanks for saving me. That's, that's great. I'm glad you love me. Uh, Jesus says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, what are you, like a, a vampire? That's, that's crazy. Uh, Jesus is talking about communion. He's talking about not just little grape juice cups and crackers. He's talking about if you're going to follow Jesus, you must accept that he died on the cross and shed his body and his blood for you. Just like you accept a piece of bread into your mouth and, and wine into your mouth when you drink it, into your body, you must accept into your heart. You must literally, not literally, you must literally spiritually, metaphysically eat Jesus' blood and, and flesh. 
Not literally, okay? <laughs> but spiritually. It's these crazy concepts Jesus throws out, and it's very easy to understand why Jesus was misunderstood. I want to see, listen, guys, seriously, I want to see a generation of young people who are not content to misunderstand Jesus. I want to see a group of young people who, when you hear something you don't understand about Jesus, you come to your pastors or your counselors or Google or whatever. You come to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I didn't understand that in the Bible study today. Help me understand. Seriously, there, there's a few kids I can think of here who almost every Sunday when they're here, afterwards they'll come up and they'll say, hey, that was cool, but I didn't get this. Can you explain it to me? And I see the hunger and the thirst for the knowledge of Jesus in them. Guys, don't be content to just be like, oh, that was a good study. I got some of it. Or you open up your Bible and you read it and you're like, I don't really understand Leviticus. Like, guys, every inch of the Bible is covered with the knowledge and the message of Jesus Christ. I want to see a generation of young people who are hungry to know more about him, who are hungry to learn and grow. Just like for me, for, with, for my favorite bands and artists, I am hungry to get their newest release and to analyze their lyrics and to go on to, you guys ever go on to genius.com and like look up like the uh, definition of like your, the song lyrics, like the meaning behind them. Do you guys ever like search the song lyrics meanings of your favorite artists? Anybody do that? Yeah, yeah? I love doing that. Jesus is looking for people who are hungry to grow. Look at John 8, 44. Jesus says to them, you are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks his lie, check this out, this is the important part, he speaks his native language for he is the father of lies. This is heavy stuff. When I hear the term satanic, I think of the 80s and like big hair and Harry Potter and like moms being like, that book is satanic. Everything with magic is satanic. Every Disney movie is satanic. You're satanic. I'm not satanic. Like that's, that's how it was back then. You guys weren't around in the 80s. I was born in 89, so I think maybe I might be the only one here who like made it to the 80s. I, I was like, I made it to the 80s party. Um, wasn't really around for it, but there was just a lot of obsession over like what was satanic back then. So whenever I think of satanic, I think of overreacting. When someone says, that's satanic, I think, oh, it's not that big deal. Like you're overreacting. But here's the deal. Jesus is calling lies satanic. Literally, he's saying, hey, you, if you lie, that's satanic. Like, you are of Satan when you lie. You are speaking the native language of Satan. Like, when you whisper lies, you are literally, like, flicking out your snake tongue and slithering out lies from hell, is what he's saying. This is, it, it's intense. It's intense. See, listen, honesty is something that Jesus wants us to value. And this is where we're going to focus today. Jesus wants us to take honesty seriously. He values truth because truth leads to life and lies lead to death. Jesus says, I am the truth, the truth that God loves us and would do anything for us and die for us. And because Jesus is true and because Jesus is truth, he desires for us to be true. Let's take a minute and let's be honest about lying. I'm going to read you several quotes from a study about teenagers and lying. And let's just be real about this. I, I want to invite you right now to put your guard down. I'm not going to ask people to show hands and stuff right now. But just put your guard down. And as we're reading these quotes, I want you to wrestle with, is this me? Am I like this? Do I struggle with this? Can we agree to that? Yeah? Okay. So, the truth about lies. 
who's part of the study. Most of this is taken from uh, Dr. Bella DePaulo. She writes, lying is a common part of human relationships. People lie for many reasons. They may lie as part of self-preservation in order to present a more favorable image to others. People may also lie in order to minimize conflict because lying may make disagreements less obvious. Although lying may serve useful functions in these respects, it can also be damaging. So, she goes on to say, a survey found that 91% of those questions lied routinely about matters they consider trivial or small. 36% lie about important matters. 86% lie regularly to their parents. 75% lie to their friends. 73% lie to their siblings. And 69% lie to the people they're married to. So this is the only thing I'm going to ask you to raise your hands for. Raise your hand if you've ever lied. Anybody? Yeah? If you're not raising your hand, you're a liar, Okay. Here is the rest of the study. In the survey of the ethics of American youth, the, Jose- the Josephine Institute asked over 20,000 high school students on issues of character, lying, and cheating. The vast majority of teens surveyed agreed with these statements. In personal relationships, trust and honesty are essential, and it's really important to me that people trust me. And I think you would all relate to this. Like, if asked, if I asked you right now, is it important to you that people trust you? You'd say, yes, I want people to be able to rely on me. I want my friends to trust me. I want my parents to trust me with responsibility, with freedom, with, with the ability to do what I want to do. I don't want my parents to always be questioning me and always thinking I'm up to no good. I want to be trusted. But the study goes on. Yet, teen behavior is confusing because while almost all teens said they valued honesty and wanted people to trust them, nearly as many reported lying to their parents about significant matters on a regular basis. Ouch, like, is, is, this, is this hitting home at all? Like, do you guys feel that burn? Like, this is real. Listen, if as humans we want to be trusted and we're often offended if we're not trusted, isn't it interesting that we're constantly lying all the time? Our flesh nature is constantly in rebellion. As much as in our heart we want to be trusted, we are constantly telling lies. So for young people, why do they lie? Well, it says teens lie for obvious reasons, like to get out of trouble or to do something forbidden. But they also lie because they feel the behavior they're engaging in is harmless. The rules they are given are arbitrary or unfair or stupid, I would add, or that adults around them cannot understand the circumstances in which they're operating. They lie to protect each other's feelings or to protect their friends or siblings. So, number one, we lie to get out of trouble. Like, for instance, when I was a kid, my parents would ask me, hey, Aaron, did you stay up all night? Because you look really tired. I'd say, no, no, I went to bed at 12.30, mom and dad, when really I stayed up till four in the morning playing video games. And they'd say, hey, why are you so tired? I'm like, I really don't know. You know, lying to get out of trouble, to hide the fact that you did something wrong. Another one is we lie to do something forbidden. Like, for instance, you might tell your mom and dad, yeah, I'm going to go see a Kung Fu Panda 3 when you're really sneaking into Deadpool, underage. Very interesting. I think it's interesting the part where it talks about how teens lie because they feel like the behavior they engage in is harmless. Maybe you've been there. Mom and dad don't want you to do something, or your teacher doesn't want you to do something, or even you read the Bible and you feel like God doesn't want you to do something, but you think, 
these rules really are dumb. Like, mom and dad don't understand where I'm coming from. Like, they can't possibly understand. They're in their 40s or 50s, and I'm 16 years old. Like, they have no idea what it is like to go through what I'm going through right now. There's no way they could possibly understand. So we lie. We, you tell yourself, mom and dad think this thing is a big deal. They're all amped up about how this thing is a big deal. But I know it's not. I know it's not a big deal. They're old and out of touch. They don't understand people my age. All my friends are doing this. You ever been there? All my friends are doing this. I have to do this. If I don't do this, I won't fit in. Mom and dad, they always shut down what I want to do. I try to talk to them. I try to reason with them. I try to bring my point of view. I try to tell them how I'm feeling, and they just, they just shut it down. They don't want to hear it. They, they won't even let me defend my position. They don't understand the circumstances I'm in, so I'm just going to keep this from them. As long as my parents don't find out, it won't hurt them. I mean, I mean come on. <laughs> We've all been here. I've, I've been here. Like, this is real stuff. This is the real deal. Do you relate? Absolutely. You do. I know you do. I sure do. I was such a liar as a kid that my parents told me that my ears wiggled when I lied to like keep me from lying, which is lame because they were lying to keep me from lying because my ears weren't wiggling unless they were, and I just don't know. But it's so easy to know what to say to get by. It's so easy to know the right things to say. How was your day? Fine. It was good. It was a good day. When really so much stuff happened, and we don't want to bring it to our parents. It's so easy to know what to say to get by. It's so easy to just say, no big deal, right? But here's the harsh reality. What does Jesus call our lies? He calls them satanic. Jesus looks at our lies and says, that is hell language. That is the whispers of the enemy. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, and I say this all the time, but being a Christian is not just someone who goes to church. If, the, if that's you, listen, you are called to be a follower, a disciple. And if you are trying to follow Jesus, when you lie, your lies go against everything he and his kingdom stand for. Jesus knows that lies poison our heart. The more lying we do, the more our heart begins to become consumed with our own poisonous desires. I believe there are people here today, and Jesus is calling you to step out of the darkness and step into the light. The next quote reveals something even darker about the nature of lying. It says, teens lie for another important reason. Teens lie for privacy. They lie not just because they'll be punished for what they're doing, but because they simply do not want their parents to know. Teens lie to preserve or establish their autonomy. It is their way of saying, my social life is my own, what I do with my body is my own, how I spend my time is my own. This is an intense quote. Does anyone here know what autonomy means? Anybody? Okay, I'm going to teach you a new word. Autonomy is the idea that you have complete independence. Your, everything you do is private. No one is there to see it or judge you. You can do whatever you want. No one has any control. No one has any influence. No one can tell you what to do. And I think hearing that, if you're like me, there's something inside us that hears that and goes, that's what I want. I want to be free. Man, I can't wait to get out of my parents' house. I can't wait to just be on my own and be able to do whatever I want. I don't need anybody. I can do what I want. I want freedom until, it sounds great until you realize it goes against something. It goes against our nature. I don't know if you know this, but we as human beings are designed for community. In the beginning, God said, let us make mankind in our image. When he says our, who is he talking to? Who is he talking to? Angels? He said angels? Yeah? No, he's talking to himself. What? 
Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity. And so when God is making humans, he's saying to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, they're saying to each other, let's make humans like us. It's amazing to me to know that the God of the universe is not just some solo deity out in the existence. He is one God made of three persons. It's this crazy thing. I'm not going to go into like an egg illustration or like water vapor or anything. Like I'm just, research the Trinity. It'll blow your mind up. But God is three in one. Our God is one and our God is three in that one. It's, it's crazy. And so God wants to create humans to be a part of a community. Like we are called to community. We're called not just to be solo people. We're called to love and help and serve one another. And so for you, the family that you're in, your mom, your dad, your siblings, is a reflection of that community that God has with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you've been put in it not to be independent, but to reflect God's nature. When you obey your parents, you are reflecting the nature of Jesus when he obeyed his Father and went to the cross for us. Every day, through the simple acts of obedience, you are given an opportunity to live in community. Guys, we weren't created to be lone rangers. We were created to exist in community. God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he's got a community of angels, and he creates humans to be a part of that community. Think of the Garden of Eden. Did God put Adam and Eve in the garden and say, all right, humans, um, take care of my garden. I'm going back to heaven and report back to me in like a year. Let's see how you did. No, God landed on earth, touched feet, heavenly feet on the ground, and he walked with humans in the garden. Before sin came, there was perfect community with God. We were able to be friends with him, to work with him, to love with him, to partner with him. And Satan comes, and what does he offer? Autonomy. What does he say to Eve? Eat this fruit and you will be like God. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you won't need him. Like, you don't need that guy. Eat this and you will be powerful like him. You will be wise like him. You won't have to rely on him. You can be independent. You can do things on your own. You don't have to report to anyone. You can be your own person. You can do what you want. You can follow your dreams. You can follow your heart. And following our heart, because the Bible says the heart of man is wicked, following our heart very often leads us to death and destruction unless we ask Jesus for a heart transplant. So humans take the fruit. They decide we can do what we want And they soon discover that what they thought was freedom was actually hell on earth. This is a great quote by Joshua Ryan Butler, a guy that I've been reading lately. He says this, Hell is the absence of God found in the presence of our own autonomy. This is so good. It's so deep. so good. What is hell? What is darkness? The absence of what? Light. What is hell? The absence of who? God. Every time you sin, What you're doing is you're pushing God out of the picture. Every time you lie, every time you sin, every time you rebel, you're saying, God, thank you for being my heart, but right now I want to push you out and I want to do what I want to do. And in doing so, in removing Jesus and God from the presence of our life and our decision-making, in those moments we sin, we are creating a space of hell on earth, quite literally. I want you to see the seriousness of this. When we act apart from God, when we listen to the lies of the enemy, we unleash hell onto the world. Is hell a place or a force? Both? Yeah, it's both. Because it's a place you go and you die. But think of, a, think of like a country like America. Would you say it's a place or a force? Well, if you live here, it's a place. But if you're in a country that we're fighting against and America's dropping bombs on you, you're not like, oh, a place is falling on me. No, a force is. And so just like that, hell 
It's a place you go when you die. But right now, there's the force of hell working in the world. The lie of the enemy says to you, this will be better if you don't involve God. Think about this the next time you want to cut your parents out of a decision. Think about this when you want to blow off your friends who are trying to point you away from sin. Think about this the next time someone comes to you and says, hey, can I talk to you? Like, there's some things on my heart I want to share with you that I I think you're going in the wrong direction. You say, no, 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 I don't want to talk to you, and you run away. Think about that. We are called to live in community, to love one another, to point each other to God, to stir each other up for good works. And every time we try to be autonomous, every time we try to just be independent and act on our own, we are inviting hell into our space when Jesus wants his space to invade our space. Being a follower of Jesus means being a part of a community, being humble, believing that others are better than yourself, and submitting to those God puts in authority over you. I read this story about a duck that was just flying around, bam, gets hit by an archer, just random archer out there shooting ducks before guns. So now this duck's wounded, and it's got the arrow sticking in it. So it goes and it hides in the bushes and it tries to regain its strength. But, I mean, do ducks have fingers? Like, you can't, like, wing an arrow out of you. It's not going to work. So the duck's just stuck with this arrow and, like, it's, it's not bleeding anymore, but the, the wound is cauterized around it. And now it's just this duck, like, flying limply with an arrow sticking out of it. And all of a sudden, the duck comes out of the bushes and it tries to, like, fly away and struggling with flying. And these people come and they're trying to catch the duck. They're trying to like grab it, and the duck's like, now they're shooting me, and now they're trying to grab me. Like, what's going on? And this is terrible. I mean, it didn't speak English because it's a duck, so it's like quacking all this stuff in its mind. Uh, the people finally catch it, and the duck thinks it's done for. Well, what happens is the people who caught it were actually forest rangers, and they were tasked to take care of the nature and the duck. So they removed the arrow, and they, they bandaged up the duck, and then they set it free. And the duck is thinking, like, man, The whole time I was running, and I didn't know these people were coming to heal me. Guys, listen, the enemy wounds us. He shoots his arrows at us, and he convinces us to hide in the bushes of shame and despair. But God sends people after us who want to remove the arrow. If there's people in your life, if there's parents, if there's friends, if there's family, if there's fellow Christians who love you, and they're trying to come to you and say, hey, listen, I love you, but you've got an arrow, and I want to help you remove it, don't run, don't hide, don't try to do it on your own. Otherwise, you'll just get tangled in more lies. Let's talk about white lies for a second. White lies are half-truths. For example, this is a half-truth. My school advertised mac and cheese, and then I got there, and it's macaroni noodles with cheese melted on it. It's a satanic lie from the pit of hell. It's terrible, okay? White lies or lies of omission are common. For example, you may be upfront about going to your friend's house, but leave out the fact that your friend's parents won't be home and there'll be drugs or alcohol there. This is all stuff from that study. I'm just reading quotes. White lies are just as satanic to the Lord because often they cause just as much destruction, leaving out details because you want to get away with something and you know introducing those details will prevent you from doing what you want to do. The study continues. As teens get older, the lies become more sophisticated and therefore more difficult to identify. Plus, teens begin to collaborate with one another. Maybe you've experienced this. Collaborating, teaming up on fabricating stories. They'll both agree to their parents that they're going to Karen's house when they're really actually going to Dylan's house. Not that Dylan, but just this fictional Dylan, okay? 
If either kid's parents call the other, their stories are corroborated because they both told the same lie. Since the parents backed it up, they get away with it. If you're sitting here and you're listening to this and you're thinking either, ah, been that and, or been there, done that, or you're thinking, I've never done that, that's a great idea, and you start calling your friend after church, hey, let's, let's plot. Listen, the Lord is trying to speak to you today. The Lord is just trying to speak with you today. Listen, we need to focus on being true in a world of lies. Lying causes us to wear masks. It causes us to be not who we truly are. It causes us to be literally the anti-version of what God has made us to be. Proverbs 12.22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. Do you know what an abomination is? Yeah, it's America, right? We're living in an abomination. <laughs> no, listen, an abomination, an abomination is something that is hated. Like, for instance, like, to be super graphic, like, if I woke up and, like, I turn over in bed and, like, there's just a pile of, like, dog duty sitting on my pillow, that would be an abomination to me. I'd be like, this is, ugh! Like, I would be so disgusted and terrified and, like, just shocked and grossed out. Listen, that's, that's how God views our lives. He hates them. He doesn't hate us. Just like those of us, I have an aunt who is right now battling with cancer. I don't hate her, but I hate her cancer. I hate what she is dealing with. Lies don't just hurt us, they hurt Jesus. When Jesus hung on the cross, he hung for truth. And when we lie, it's a slap in the face to the God who hung on the cross for us, even the little white lies. A great thing to remember is to avoid lying, just do nothing that needs a cover-up. Simple, right? Like if you're thinking about plotting a murder today, but you're like, I feel like it's going to be really hard to try to hide that, just maybe just don't do it. Maybe just don't plot the murder. Listen, it's really a good concept for our life because God wants us to be real, authentic, genuine people who don't have to cover anything up. And I'm not saying don't sin. Like, if you leave here today and you're like, don't do anything that recovers or requires a cover-up, that just means I can't sin, I can't do it, I'm going to sin today, I'm thinking about not sinning, oh, I just sinned. Like, we're human, we will sin. But when you do sin, just come out with it. Just be honest. How many times, like, for me, so many times when I was young, when I was your age, I lied to my parents, and I didn't come out with it, and I just kept lying and lying and lying to cover up that one little white lie. Now I've got 12 bigger lies stacked on top of the white lie. And then I'm caught and it all comes, my, my house of cards comes crashing down around me. Instead of that, when you sin, be open. I would encourage you, followers of Jesus, when you sin and you do something against your parents and they don't know about it, and you think they'll probably never find out, like, you would blow them away if you went to them and you're like, hey, listen, this is what I did. I sinned against you. I'm so sorry. Like, please forgive me. You would blow their minds. You might think like, oh, man, if they knew all the stuff I was doing, like, they wouldn't trust me. Listen, if you start being open with them about your sin and asking for repentance, their trust level of you is going to go up this much. If you're in sin right now and you're hiding it from your parents, they are probably suspicious. They are probably wondering what is going on with you. And there's probably a lot of awkwardness, a lot of weird conversations, a lot of like just awkward moments. Like, let's just come clean. 
Like, be an honest, truthful person, even when no one is forcing you to tell the truth. You come and you be honest and watch what God does with you. We all screw up, but God wants us to be honest about our screw-ups. Be honest with parents, friends, and most importantly, God, because remember, truthfully, people who are truthful are those God delights in. While everyone else is wearing masks, Christians need to show their real faces. We want freedom, freedom from fakeness. Some of us might wonder, like, what if, what if people saw us the way we really are? Like, what if I take off that mask and, and people don't like me for who I really am? Like, what if I reveal what a sinner I am? Listen, hiding that sin behind the mask, it's poison. Really, it is. Like, it's like literally taking a mask that is laced with poison and gluing it to your face. And the longer you're exposed to it, the more corrupt your heart gets. I love, I love this video clip of a, a pastor being honest about his lies. I'm going to play it really quick. This is a Pastor Craig from Life Church, and uh, this video clip's great. Now you may say, okay, Craig, you told a lie, you know, back when you were in high school. But as a pastor, you know, certainly you've outgrown that, and you don't lie that often. Only I could say that's true, and I just got to be honest with you. I mean, just, just recently, it's just, I mean, it, I can't even believe I did this. I serve on the board for um, a nonprofit organization, and I serve with some of the leadership giants in our world today. Honestly, I don't know why I'm on the board. I guess I'm like the token pastor or something. But uh, we, we've got the, uh, the guy who's the most published author in leadership in the history of the world. We've got the guy who invented DSL. Uh, we've got a guy who is a psychologist and business consultant to the top um, business corporations in our country. We've got a guy who serves on three boards of three of the top 10 most profitable co companies. I mean, these are guys, these guys are giants. And so they're all uh, at this meeting in California, but because of my schedule, I couldn't be there. And so I phoned into it and it went longer than I expected. And so I'm on, I've got my phone with my uh, earbuds in and we're talking. It's hour, hour and a half, two hours, and I'm contributing some, but I thought, yeah, I haven't worked out today, so I'm just going to get a little, little workout in during this call. And at my house, I have one of those old-school self-contained gyms, not, not one of the more modern, quiet, Bowflex-like bending things, but we're talking about the ones with the loud weights, you know, the old-school thing. And, and so I just would put it on mute, and I was doing back that day, and so I'd work out my back. And then every now and then I'd unmute, and I'd say something spiritual just to contribute to the quality of the meeting, and then I'd mute it back and do another set. Well, evidently, I forgot to hit mute. And I was on my final set of lap pull-downs. I had the most weight on there, and I was just cranking it out. And suddenly, it got quiet on the other end. And someone said, Pastor Craig, are you okay? Do we need to send help? I looked down like, he's done with you. And I'm holding my breath, trying to let it down quietly. And they're like, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm like, I said, of all things, what was that? I was worried about you all. <laughs> They're all like, really, really, are you, are you, are you, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm not to breathe heavy. I'm fine. Tot totally fine. I, I, what was that? Was that a squirrel dying in California? I don't know. And I just bold-faced lied. Okay. Now, 
I've already confessed it to two of them, and two of them listen to these podcasts. I haven't told them yet, but since you're listening now, I'm sorry. I lied. I was working out. Have mercy on me. Please forgive me. I might do it again. <laughs> so I just throw that to say, I mean, pastors lie. We're, I'm a human. I lie all the time. One of my biggest lies lately that just, like, you know those little white lies that just are so human, but they're wrong. I, I have a huge problem with uh, eating at a different pace than my wife. Like she, I just like engulf things. Like you know Kirby, like the video game character. I'm just like, oh food, ah, it's mine. She's she takes like little bird bites, you know, of things. Like just nibble, nibble, nibble. Oh, I'll come back to it in a month. Like so, <laughs> we will get like Oreos, you know, and I'll just pull open a pack of Oreos, and I'm like, all right, like. Uh, I'll be done with these by the end of the day. She's like, no, wait, these are our Oreos for like the next year. <laughs> I'm exaggerating. But my problem is sometimes like I'll go in and I'll eat more than I should. And then she opens up and she's like, hey, like, what's the deal? Like half the Oreos are gone. And I'll be like, we had the high school kids over last night. They probably got in the cupboard. And like, I'll blame you guys for stuff like that sometimes. And it seems so small, but when I catch myself in those lies, like I, 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 this study is convicting me because seriously, I, I was thinking about this as I was studying. If I'm willing to lie to my wife over something small, would that not open up the door for me to lie towards bigger and bigger and bigger things? The enemy does that. And so I am convicted. And so Brooklyn, I repent and I will start doing that thing we talked about where I'll put half the Oreos in a Ziploc bag for me and then you can eat the rest as slow as you want. And it'll be great. Um, you guys can hold me to that. On Wednesday night, you can be my accountability. Ask me, hey, Aaron, like, are you dividing up the Oreos? Okay, so we'll, we'll do that. But lying, it's, it's, it's so natural. But just because it's natural doesn't make it right. And I realize that. We need to ask, what is underneath our lies? Today, ask yourself, what is underneath my lies? Being true in a world of lies requires that we remove the mask. And just very quickly, I'm just going to go through a couple ways that we can do that. One Face the truth no matter how hard it is. Guys, it is so hard to face the truth sometimes, especially when you feel like the consequences are going to rain down on you when people know. But running from that truth and diving deeper into lies is only going to make the consequences harder and harder. And I know people who they never got caught by their parents for what they were doing. So they thought they got off clean. But what happened was, even though their parents never found out, running from truth pushed them deeper and deeper into lies, and now they're doing harder and worse and more sinful things than when they were in high school. Now their whole life is consumed by a lie. So whether you get caught and you get punished or you don't, you know what? Getting caught is actually a lesser punishment than getting away with it because getting away with poison still kills you. <laughs> in fact, if you're poisoned, the best thing you can do is get caught. <laughs> in your poisonous, what, I don't know. Okay, next point. Stop hiding things or lying for your own gain. The cure for this, I think, is to do what Jesus says, esteem others as better than yourself. If you live in community the way Jesus wants you to, if you look at your siblings and you look at your parents, if you look at your friends, if you look at those teachers who give you so much homework and you say, Jesus requires me as a follower to treat them better than I treat myself, if that's the way you're thinking, you're not going to want to lie. I want to challenge you this week at school, look at everyone around you, the people who love you and the people who hate you, the people who make your life great and the people who make your life hard, and put them higher than yourself. It's so hard to do. 
but I am challenging you this week to do so. When you stop living for your own gain, you want to be truthful because you realize the truth sets people free, but lies just wrap more people in lies. Third is step out from behind the mask. This was the one I struggled with the most because I felt so insecure at school and I wanted to fit in and I wanted people to like me and I always felt like I wasn't enough. But life outside the mask is so much better. Realizing your identity in Christ, realizing you are precious to him, you are loved by him, you are created to do great things for him. And guys, this is, this is why... It, you need to be reading your Bibles and praying. Yes, the most obvious thing we talk about in church every week, but it is your connection to the source of life. I told you guys a little bit last week, but I'm finally, finally, thank Jesus, at a place in my life where I'm not reading the Bible because I feel like I need to, and I feel like it's a requirement, and I'm not a good Christian if I don't, and I feel guilty if I miss a day. I'm finally at the point where I read my Bible and pray throughout the week because Jesus is my best friend, and I'm so blown away that he wants to be friends with little old me, and he accepts me in, in place of all my sin, all of my struggles, he looks at me and he accepts me and he loves me. That is a God I want to love, I want to serve, I want to work for, I want to bless, and I want to grow in my relationship with him. Listen, if you're here today and you're listening to me say this and you're like, I want that, I want that, I want to be closer to God, but my sin keeps getting in the way. It is, God does not look at your outside, he does not look at your sin, he just looks at your heart. And if today you tell Jesus, listen, I'm a sinner, I'm a mess, I'm a wreck. No one knows what's going on with me. On the outside, I look like this great little Christian kid, but on the inside, I am falling apart and I can't hold it together. Jesus says, let me hold you together with my love. Gosh, go to him, man. Go to him, guys, today. Don't wait. Fourth thing, don't live through lies. If you are just constantly, like you're, if you feel, if you look at your life and the way you operate and what you do on the internet and the apps you use on your phone and the people you text and the things that you do and the places that you go, and if that's a house of cards that's been built on lies, like if you're like, to do what I want to do in life, to talk to the people I want to talk to, to do the things I want to do online, to do the things I want to do in real life, to sustain this lifestyle that I want, I have to have lies. They are necessary. Without them, I can't do what I want to do, and I lose my autonomy, and I have to be accountable to my parents, and, and I can't do what I want to do. So I need lies. They're a necessary sin to accomplish the things that I want to accomplish in life. I have to either tell big lies or little white lies. If that's you, if your existence is dependent on lies, which for me so many times as a high school student, honestly, they were. Ask Jesus to smash that house of cards down and rebuild it as something better. Because living a life that is dependent on lies is death. It is not life at all. It is death. It is a slow, cruel, unmerciful death. And Jesus has so much more for you. I challenge you today to start deconstructing Go to Jesus and say, tear it all down and rebuild. The last thing is just be honest with others. Be honest with others. People love you. I love you, truly, really. 
honestly, all of you. I, I, I mean, like, I'm just, I'm just being real here. Like, uh, there's, there's been many times that uh, I felt like I wanted to move and go and be a missionary, and the thing that has kept me back from that every time is you guys. Every time I think about you guys, every time I think about what does God want me to do, just in my mind, I see your faces. Really, I really do, and I care about you guys. You're loved by me, by Brooklyn, by the counselors. That's why we're here. And seriously, I'm, I mean, when I was studying through this today and Jesus was just getting angry and going off and talking just about how lies are from the enemy and it's from his native language, I was like, God, what do you want me to teach today? And there's all this, like, theology stuff I could have gone into. There's all this stuff about, you know, when he says, you know, before Abraham was, I am. Like, that's a great thing. I, kinda, I could have taught a whole message on that. And I was just like, God, what do you want me to teach today? And he really clearly told me, focus on lies. Because he is the way, he's the truth, and the life. And if we are going to follow him, but if we're a slave to any lie, he is passionate, just like he was in that video. He's passionate because he wants to remove the lies and bring truth into our heart. This just brings us to this last verse, Ephesians 4.25. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And I'll end with just a stupid illustration. I hope this doesn't like ruin the impact of the ending, but just think of it this way, okay? A body needs to be truthful to itself, right? A bra the brain controls everything. So if my brain tells my fist that there's food in my, or no, if my brain tells my fist that it has food in it and it needs to put the food in my mouth, but my brain doesn't tell my mouth and my fist doesn't know it doesn't have food, what's going to happen? I'm going to punch myself in the face. Stupid analogy, but so true. Guys, you are the body of Christ. And lies cause the body to stop working. Your family, your friends, you are the body of Christ. Guys, autonomy seems so great, but it ruins lives. That's not what we're called to live for. That's not how we're called to live. We're called to live in community. So I'm going to pray, and we're just going to break up into some really quick groups and talk this out. Sound good? Yeah? Cool. Lord, I thank you so much that you are truth. God, I thank you so much that you are life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness. It's so true. God, so often the lies in my life have kept me from true intimacy with you. So many times the lies in my life have caused relationships to not grow and flourish the way they could. And so many times in my life, lies have made me a slave to poisonous sin. Jesus, I pray that our desire as young people would not be for autonomy, for independence, for freedom, but I pray that we'd realize that freedom comes from knowing you and knowing you deeper. That's the freedom we want, Jesus. We want to be real. We want to be genuine. We want to put down the masks, and we want to put on Christ. Help us to do that today. It's so hard to follow you sometimes, Jesus, but you, you're the God who doesn't say, follow me while I sit in heaven judging you. But you say, follow me as I'm here on the ground, in spirit, in your heart, right next to you, walking with you. I pray 
Jesus, that you would remind us today, as we face today, and maybe we will be presented today with opportunities to lie, to get out of something, to further our own sin. Jesus, I pray that you would set us free. The truth sets us free. I pray today, if there's anyone here who is a slave to their own lies, that you would set them free today, that you'd point them on the path to truth, and that you'd restore what's broken. We love you, Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen.